Hi everyone, my name is Melissa Lee and I'm your health coach who targets women with PCOS and women in general who wants to achieve stubborn weight loss. I do my best work when I work with PCOS urban women in their 30s who are embarrassed about their weight but want to feel comfortable in their bodies and are able to lose stubborn weight naturally. In this podcast, we talk about various topics including why stubborn weight loss is so hard to achieve. If this is you, definitely put this in your podcast list because one episode will be released every single week. Hi, and welcome back to part two of how to regulate your periods without going off the birth control. So if you missed the previous episode, um, this is part two of the whole series. So if you missed the previous episode, I really recommend you go check it out. Uh, I talked about the basics of the menstrual cycle and also your hormones, so you will understand it more. Um, For today's topic, we're going to be talking about how to chart your cycles and how to prepare for actually coming off the pill. So today is jam-packed with information, so um, I'm really excited for us to get going. So the first thing I want to talk about is fertility charting, and another name for it is called fertility awareness method, and this applies to all women, especially whether you're seeking to have children or not. Fertility Awareness Method, FAM, is an optimal way of making us more aware of our cycle every month, and it gives us clues to whether our body's in great health or in needed health. So I actually got to know about charting through Tori Weschler, who is the author of Taking Charge of Your Fertility. I thought that charting was the same as the rhythm method, you know, back in the old days of calculating the fertile time in a woman's life. However, after reading her book and after reading Lisa's book, my perspective on the menstrual cycle changed forever. So this is awesome because once you start charting, you will soon begin to find out if your body's ovulating and what the signs of fertility are. You will also know in detail how long your cycles are, how what's the duration, and how the flow and the duration coincides with the stressors in your life. So for example, someone who's traveling abroad really frequently, um, it might cause her not to ovulate because she's so stressed on the plane. She can then make changes and ensure more self-care strategies when flying in order to restore the issue. So actually, FAM really lets you know the optimal time where you're fertile and then by that, you will know the days when you're not fertile. So for me, I find that it's really inexpensive, it's convenient, it can be, the comfort, it can be done in the comfort of your own home. I am able to control um, whatever I am charting. I am more in tune and aware of my body. I observe my symptoms, I observe the signals that my menstrual cycle give me, and overall, I tend to be more closer to myself. And the most important reason is to find out if you have PCOS or any other medical condition or hormone imbalance that is lurking, which has not been diagnosed. So charting for women in monogamous relationships and for women who have the discipline um, and consistency of monitoring their body signs on a daily basis. So this is what who charting is for. And it's a powerful, powerful way of empowering yourself in education. So let me just grab a sip of water. So charting actually involves three things, right? Um, tracking your basal body temperature, which, is, which I will call it BBT. Monitoring your cervical mucus and checking your cervical position. So if you ever thought like you ever have different discharges during 
different times of the month and you don't know what they are, a lot of women think they're getting yeast infections, but actually they may not be vaginal discharge, but they're actually cervical mucus and there are telltale signs of fertility and infertility. So right off the bat, I want to say that the first half of your, the first half of your cycle before ovulation starts to happen, this is where your fertile phase. After ovulation happens, and if there's no implantation, then you are not fertile. You cannot be fertile after ovulation because progesterone actually um, causes you to produce a thick kind of mucus, which clogs, which uh, clogs up the crypts in the cervix, which prevents sperm from entering and stay actually staying. Um, in the cervix. So the first um, sign, or I would say the first tool of charting involves tracking the BBT. And BBT is actually a measure of our metabolism. So after ovulation, our resting BBT rises in order to prepare the body for pregnancy. So if you take your temperature every morning before getting out of bed and before going to the bathroom, um, over time, you will actually see that during the really two distinct phases of your cycle. The follicular and ovulatory really differs from the luteal and the, menstrua the menstrual because um, your BBT actually stays in kind of a lower range and then after ovulation, it actually rises and it stays in that rising range uh, in the upper higher temperature range. So, when I say take your temperature every morning before getting out of bed and before going to the bathroom, this is to measure your resting internal temperature accurately. So in a typical chart, there, again, there will be two clear sections, the BBT at a lower temperature during menstruation and the follicular, and BBT at a higher range of temperatures during the ovulatory and luteal phase. And once the temperatures stay high past the luteal phase and the woman does not bleed, this would be a sign of pregnancy. So you would actually know if you are pregnant, if you have 18 temperatures of consistent kind of higher in the higher upper range. Um, and then you would know that you're pregnant. So I actually use two apps, Flow and Overgraph to actually do this. So you can use other apps like Kindara or Clue. Um, I find Flow pretty good because it really shows you like a really distinct feature. It shows you the day of ovulation. It can calculate based on algorithms. And for some women, they like to do a paper. So you can do a paper charting too. And that would definitely involve a little bit more discipline. But to be honest, I do feel like I should get started on paper charting because it would really give me more insight into um, charting to into charting and also feel more observant about my cycles. So I would say that charting does not involve predicting your ovulation, right? So we don't use charting to actually predict when we're gonna ovulate, but we use it as a sign to show us that, okay, we ovulated on whichever day. Did we ovulate late this month or early this month? Are we even ovulating at all? So that is the tool, that is the purpose of charting. So the second one would be cervical mucus. And cervical mucus might sound gross, but it's actually a really important step to look at when it comes to being aware of your menstrual cycle. Your cervix is the passageway between the vagina and the uterus, and it produces plenty of fluid at different stages of your cycle. So after menstruation, our cervical mucus actually starts to change, and it starts from being absent, and it becomes sticky and white, and it eventually becomes 
really watery and it becomes um, you might be able to see like clear wet patches on your underwear. So this indicates your mucus is turning egg white or slippery. And if you actually wipe yourself with toilet paper before peeing the, and take the mucus between two fingers and see if it stretches. So stretchy mucus indicates that you're fertile and stretchy mucus is considered a peak mucus because um, it actually aids the sperm to reach the egg better. However, if it's kind of crumbly and sticky, it's probably, um, it's considered non-peak mucus. But I would say, and I have learned that when it comes to mu cervical mucus, all treat all mucus as fertile. So I will put a resource into explaining uh, the observations surrounding cervical mucus because it can get quite um, difficult and I'll put that in the show notes. So regularly jotting down your cervical mucus every day and seeing if it corresponds to your BBT can actually tell you whether you're fertile or not. It takes at least about two cycles to get the hang of it, so please be patient. And the third way is to monitor your cervical position. Your cervical position is merely the position of your cervix at any given time in your cycle, in your cycle, sorry. So this is the one observational sign that most women have trouble with because we don't really know how to feel for it. And so during the fertile times, the cervix tends to be really pressured up higher and the opening is soft and wide in order to facilitate penetration during intercourse. However, after you ovulate, the opposite happens and if you feel a certain tightness in your sex during this stage, it's because the cervix is closed and low and hard. So cervical position is a third indicator of your fertile and, or infertile phase and it can be used as confirmation if you're unsure of your mucus or your BBT. So that's it for fertility charting. There's a lot more that goes in it and I really highly recommend the book called The Fifth Vital Sign by Lisa Henderson Jack. If you um, Google um, Lisa Henderson Jack, she will come up and her book will come up. And also I actually interviewed her before on the Nourish Mail podcast. So if you go back to, I think episode 18 or 17, um, go, in, go ahead and listen to that because she really can explain further what charting is all about. The next section would be to talk about the pill. So obviously this whole series is about regulating your periods without actually going on the birth control pill. So if you're on the pill for now, it's totally fine. Um, I respect your decision and you should respect your decision. However, if you do want to come off the pill, definitely we need to look at some um, aspects of your health to monitor first. So many of us women, we look to gynecologists and doctors for advice when it comes to period problems. However, doctors are being taught in medical school to not look at lifestyle solutions or nutrition or toxic exposure and so they rather you know they just give the pill whatever they hear the words irregular periods and the pill actually essentially suppresses our endogenous hormones and it creates an illusion that we have periods that are regular and in good time they're actually not real periods so your biological hormones are being suppressed and so obviously when you get off when you want to transition off the pill you have to make sure that your body is in prime condition so that your hormones will be able to function properly so women 
you know, we did not have much knowledge about the real extent of the side effects of the pill. And it was all good intentions by the doctors and women who took it. So I myself, I took the pill for about four years when I was diagnosed with PCOS because I didn't know I had the challenge to actually ask my doctor questions. So I really encourage you, if you're on the pill and you want to go off it and you're not sure how to approach it, really ask your doctor's um, questions. You know, feel empowered to actually not follow your doctor's line of prescription here. Um, I took myself off the birth control even though she said that I had to be on it for life because I didn't, I really didn't want to be on the pill for life. So here are the list of pill side effects, including the stripping of the body of many nutrients. B2 riboflavin, which is important for energy production. It really depletes B6, which is crucial for serotonin and noradrenaline production. So those are your neurotransmitters. So this is involved with moods, immune system, nervous system, and the brain. It depletes B12, which is essential for DNA production, formulating of red blood cells, and it prevents mesoblastic anemia, which is basically preventing um, your red blood cells from getting too big because if they're too big, they tend to not be absorbed um, in the capillaries, and so you will not be able to get enough oxygen into your body. Um, the pill also depletes vitamin C, vitamin E, zinc, which is so important for our immune system, iron, vitamin D, which is also involved in our immune system, selenium, magnesium, and folate. And all of these nutrients and vitamins, they're really, really crucial for um, not only hormone control, but also various functions like energy production, liver detoxification, and really is interconnected with all our, our systems. So here it is, solutions to coming off the pill. So do this before you go off it. So obviously, whenever we're on a drug, whether it's a birth control pill or any other medication, you really want to change um, certain things in your lifestyle, in your home environment first before you take yourself completely cold turkey off the pill. So let's look at effective nutrition. So go organic 100% if your budget allows. Otherwise, you can go look at the environmental working group where they have um, guides to giving you um, knowledge about which foods you have to absolutely get organic and foods that you don't actually have to get organic. And that is called the 30 dozen or clean 15. Choose a probiotic that includes lactobacillus to actually help feed your gut with good bacteria. Add in one to two tablespoons of fresh ground flax seeds every day to help with bowel movements. I love flax seeds because it really helps us with menstrual cramps as well. Have your meals covered in cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, kale, cabbage, watercress, and antioxidant berries because these will really help to break down toxins in your body. It will help to get rid of excess hormones like estrogen. And also other vegetables are really great for energy production and gut health, including aliens like onions, garlic, ginger roots, and rainbow vegetables like radishes, carrots, beets, and sweet potatoes. I also love having good quality protein like grass-fed beef, uh, turkeys, pork, have lentils, quinoa, and legumes. These are the ones for plant-based eaters. Also include all the meats such as beef or chicken liver. I also talked about beef liver in the previous episode because 
They are highly nutrient dense and really gives you a bang for your buck. Also include fats, including um, avocado, olive oils, coconut oils, and you can even try out ghee or beef tallows if you're not vegetarian. I would avoid dairy, but offer non-dairy options such as almond, rice, oat, flax, pea, cashew milk, and yogurts. Go for more gluten-free grains such as rice, millet, gluten-free oats, amaranth, teff, and quinoa. And also, we would really be mindful of keeping your caffeine intake to about one cup a day, offer some tea, or really just uh, you know, try out green tea because that really improves your detoxification process in your liver. Include spices and include herbs like cilantro, parsley, mint, dill, rosemary, and thyme, which are great for the thyroid. Um, if you're more kind of, you know, exploratory, you can try out some botanical herbs that have healing powers such as ginseng, donkwai, vitex reishi, shatavari, and ashwagandha. I would really recommend going to a naturopath or a functional medicine practi practitioner for this because when we choose herbs, they're really very personalized and very powerful. So make sure you're using the right ones. And obviously, um, I would recommend doing some hormone testing a few weeks after coming off the pill to actually see where hormone levels are at. And chances are, if you're working with a naturopath or a functional medicine practitioner, you would also want to check on all your nutrient um, levels so that you would want to see how deficient you are in those nutrients. And for me, I really add in a propolis spray daily, and this I get from Beekeepers Naturals. I'm going to put that in the show notes as well, uh, because the propolis really helps to improve the immune system. I'm really an advocate for mostly the Mediterranean-style diet, which is anti-inflammatory. So if you can tolerate it, add in phytoestrogens like soy products, and because they can really help with the levels of estrogens in your body. It can, they can help to regulate it. The next phase of preparing your body before you go off the birth control pill is to really manage your stress. So create a self-care toolkit to make sure your stress levels are not low-grade chronic ones. For example, having anxiety throughout the day, you really don't want to be having that. But work on you know, meditations, laughing, journaling, um, changing your perspective on what happens to you. Incorporate some sort of daily movement like yoga, um, taking your daily supplements, making yourself a good cup of tea, taking a bath, hugging your pets. So all these things that bring you joy. What brings you joy would actually really help to reduce your stress. I would like to take a quick break from the podcast to talk to you about Osea Malibu. Osea is a skincare brand that is safe and non-toxic. It is made in Malibu, California. The brand uses formulations from seaweed blended with pure essential oils. I stumbled upon Osea at a wellness event and I could not be happier with their ocean cleanser. I love it because it is so hydrating, it is light, it does not give me any breakouts, um, it is great for just clarifying the skin. The brand is vegan and gluten-free, obtaining ingredients from plant-based sources. They use three main kinds of algae from the ocean, and my favorite is obviously the Osea Cleanser. So for every purchase of $40 and more, you can add a travel-sized product worth $18 of value to your cart for free with the use of the code NOURISHMELL. So just to repeat, you have to use the code NOURISHMELL 
and add a travel size product to your cart on every purchase of $40 and more. would be changing your home environment. So detoxifying your home and getting rid of products that can really disrupt your hormones will help a lot. So these chemicals and toxins named as xenoestrogens, they don't appear in the blood test results and they are typically in our cosmetic products and beauty products. And toxins are a big, big topic. So I will be actually covering that in a future episode in part of the series. So you really want to find a spiritual practice, choose organic brands whenever you can, avoid shopping at your local drugstore for skincare and makeup because they really stock brands that include harmful toxins like phthalates and triclosan. Clean out all of your household and cleaning products. Um, I will also give you a list of um, natural skincare, which I love. Um, and also create a corner of your house for meditating, for journaling and unwinding. Have a space, have a sanctuary where you feel safe, where you can actually really come into being with your thoughts. Have some plants in your house to provide oxygen and absorption of formaldehyde and rays from your furniture and electronics. I would suggest invest in some blue blocker glasses to avoid blue light exposure, especially if you're using your phone in bed, keep your phone on flight mode once you enter the bedroom or once you go to bed. Um, and also invest in blackout curtains to improve your sleep dramatically. So the question for this episode is what is one thing you can do this week to actually learn about fertility charting? Or what is one thing you can do if you're coming off the pill? Uh, what is one thing that you can do to your lifestyle to really prepare your body so that um, you know, you'll be primed when, uh, when you eventually get off the pill. So that's it for part two. I know it's a lot of information. Take the time to really listen to this episode again in case you miss anything. And I'll put all the resources in the show notes.